0: Excited because I'm always excited. I know I start every episode with saying I'm super excited, but that's literally my default setting. I can't help it. Shut up. Leave me alone. Anyhow, um, today we're gonna be. uh, We had a friend made these this awesome post that was about the ephemeral gaze and like some like some like. Deep stuff that I didn't pick up on and I was so intrigued that I had to do a whole episode on it. So um, I got some awesome uh, Experts here and we are going to be talking female gays here on the high ground <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highgram. How's it going? Um, yeah, so we have uh, two uh, new guests. Uh, everyone else has been here or on adjacent podcasts in, in other capacities, but um, I'm still excited to talk and get everyone's point of view. I want to start by going around the room and kind of asking, you know, who are you? Where can we find your awesome content? And um, Man, today is, is Last Jedi Day. There's been so much love in the community towards this film that yeah. I'm just like, I'm, I'm loving it. So I got to ask, what is your favorite experience in the community? Uh, and we'll, yeah, we will start with, um we'll start with uh, Masege
1: on this. Sure, of course. Thank you so much for having me back on. Um, Rhonda, Kiki, it is so nice to finally like meet you guys in person-ish and get to talk to you. <laughs> I was so excited about this. And also, I did not know, Brandon, that you were going to have girls with sabers on here. I love them. Um, oh, gosh. This is such a treat. I saw the icon. I had to kind of contain myself. I was so happy. <laughs> um so this is just going to be great. Um, so my name, I go by Miss Eggy on TikTok, Miss Eggy twenty eight on uh, Twitter, and I just kind of post whatever I want. It's mostly Star Wars stuff and kind of nerd adjacent stuff, but. I mean, it depends. I, sometimes I'm in the mood to talk about Dune. Sometimes I'm in the mood to talk about, you know, Anakin for the 50th time. You know, who knows? You know, sometimes it's, it's you know, <laughs> it's just whatever I'm in the mood for. But Sometimes um, it's Vegeta
0: thirst.
1: Yeah, yeah Vegeta, Vegeta thirst. <laughs> I, it, was, I, it was funny. I quit, like I was at a con this weekend and I bought like a sweatshirt from a girl and it, it was like a Vegeta sweatshirt and we talked about his butt for like 10 minutes And then I went back there the next day in costume because a friend of mine who wasn't there was like, oh, I liked that you know, sweatshirt you got. Can you get me one? I said, sure. I went back there in costume and I was like, Oh, I don't know if you remember me. I was here yesterday. And the girl was like, yeah, we talked about Vegeta's butt for 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah, that was me. So, uh, <laughs> so I definitely, yeah, I guess made it made an impression. Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I'm really excited to be here today to talk about the female gaze in star Wars. It's going to be great. And Brandon, you had like a, a quite, like, what's my favorite experience in the fandom when it comes to the last Jedi, like my favorite memory of the last Jedi, or was it something else? Uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm actually gonna have you uh, hold
0: off for a second because yeah. I, I'm looking at at my chat right now. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, okay. So half the people can see it, not everyone. Um, hmm. I'm trying to uh, figure out. I don't know this is the first time I've had being this issues. So I've had other adjacent issues. <laughs> okay. So, it seems it set me up with, like, two separate live streams at the same time, which is... Oh,
2: wow. oh dear. And,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they both have the same name, and one of them has seven people watching, and the other one has eight people watching.
2: Oh, no. Ah. Okay. It's me. I brought the startles. <laughs> I seem to b- bring them with me. like... <laughs>
3: Someone in the chat says, "I have a bad feeling about this." <laughs> well played, well played.
0: Uh, so we, we're, we're almost okay. There, here is here is the problem one. Um, and I closed it, and hopefully, people, those people I put in there for people to to switch and join over, and hopefully, they will be able to do that. Okay, okay. Um. I sincerely apologize, Miss Eggy. Would, would you would you kind of mind starting over for anyone that was missing it?
1: Sure, no problem. I'll start. I'll just do the. I'll just speed through it. So, uh, my name is Miss Eggy. I go by Miss Eggy twenty eight on TikTok. Uh, Miss Eggy on TikTok. Miss Eggy twenty eight on Twitter. And um, I am in awe of all of the women here. I'm fangirling, of course, internally. Um, And I'm really excited to be here to talk about the female gaze today in Star Wars. Um, I think it's such serendipity that we're doing this with uh, the Last Jedi anniversary that just rolled on by. Uh, So this is just, I had the realization the other day and I was like, this is going to be great. Um, So I'm so excited to be here. Um, do you want me to do the question prompt or do you want to move um
0: oh no no we, you have to share your 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 best experience still uh, okay best
1: experience here. just like in the fandom or in relation to the last jedi uh in the fandom altogether oh my oh my god you, uh, whatever it means to you Um, I just, I guess I would just say just meeting all of you guys like on TikTok and online. And, uh, I kind of stepped away from the star Wars fandom when I was in high school, you know, years and years ago. And I kind of found my way back to it with the sequels and just like listening to everyone's different points of view and finding out what everyone else loves about star Wars. And then getting to share what I love about star Wars, I think is the best thing about being in the fandom for sure.
0: Awesome. All right. I love it. I appreciate it. Um, let's uh, let's go to uh, M next.
2: Hello, I'm Emrys. I'm not on TikTok, <laughs> but I am on uh, YouTube on a channel called Girls with Sabres. Um, I uh, do podcasts and video essays with my friend and co-creator, Luthien, Luthien sadly could not make it tonight due to prior commitments, but she wants to say hello to everyone and, and she's sorry. <laughs> but I am there'll be amazed, other times but, for sure. Yes, uh, I, I asked Rhonda to come on, on my live stream to celebrate the last Jedi, and then she told me that she was on the stream too. And you, everyone, and I was just so happy. I, I talked to her about the female gaze and I showed her. Your video, Miss Becky, about the female gaze, female, the hands and the eyes. And I said, whenever I have someone ask me what the female gaze is, I'm like, to me, this is the best explanation. Watch this TikTok. Like, when I saw that, I literally, I, I know this sounds emotional, but that's just the type of person I am. I literally cried because it was just so perfectly stated. Like, yes, it's the hands and the eyes because... Nonverbal communication is so important to the female gaze. I think or the feminine gaze. Feminine gaze is probably a better term. But yeah. So I'm just so happy to be with you here. I told Rhonda I was probably going to be Starstruck and I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is not, that's crazy. I that makes me so happy. Thank you. I oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. Because I love you, I love everyone here. This is going to be a big love stream, guys. Yes, hey, yes. that's
0: that's that's how we that's how we do it. That's how
2: it's supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know everyone else, but I'm I'm fun and equal to to meet you all. So <laughs> equally yeah. fun is what I meant to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I'm already starstruck. So
0: <laughs> and and that's that's actually one of the things I'm really trying to do because a lot of this uh, I, I have a lot of like TikTok creators on here and. Oh hopefully exposing to other people on, on TikTok and YouTube, but I'm also trying to bring in a bunch of, uh, you know, Twitter people and other podcasts. We're going to try to mix it up and just make it one big fandom. Hopefully it works.
3: Um, but, uh, how about you, Kiki? Hello,
0: everyone.
3: <laughs> I am Kiki. I am from the upper left United States of America, which is also Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um, I am on TikTok as Black PNW lady. Um, my oh, no. my topics usually are Star Wars, uh, pop culture. Um, if you've been following me at all, you will know that for like the last month I've been on like this Bane from the Dark Knight Rises like thirsty conversation and it's gotten way out of control. <laughs> like, I, have people, I have people in my comments being like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, oh. I'm not okay. I'm not doing fine. Um, mm. So, and it led to a lot of, Chatter and conversations about the female gaze and all that fun stuff. So that's what I do. Um, Sometimes I'm like doing deep analysis of like The Dark Knight Rises, and then the next video is I'm talking about how I would with Boba Fett. So you never know what you're getting. (laughs) All over the place.
0: Oh, I I, and I've actually been loving you covering Scrubs recently. Um, No, that's that's been really cool. Um, uh, and what was your uh, favorite part and favorite moment in
3: the um community, Star Wars community? The Star Wars community, uh, it was there's a recent moment on TikTok. Chris, if anyone knows who Chris is, he's mm. a Star Wars lawyer. Somebody made a video that they were like, Oh, this, these people are carrying the Star Wars fandom. And Chris jumped on, and he was like, There's more people carrying the fandom, and he put up all these diverse creators. Oh, that's awesome, fandom, and it it became a moment that actually extremely interconnected the star Wars fandom, specifically the diversity within the star Wars fandom. So mm-hmm. that
0: was ah, awesome. I love it. And uh, last, but certainly not least, we have Rhonda with a book.
4: Um. Yes. So that is who I am. Thank you for answering that for me. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Um, I am also on TikTok. Um, I'm Rhonda Talks about books, T-O-K-S. Um, and I do mostly talk about Jane Austen. Um, but I, with some Star Wars sprinkled in, um, and then I'm also, uh, co-host, a podcast called Pop DNA, where we talk about like the, like literary influences in all different, um, pop culture and media and that is on um like all podcast platforms and now on youtube uh as of like six weeks ago so all right um and my favorite experience in the community um i'm gonna have to echo ms eggy and just say in general just being able to connect with other star wars fans and um, and you know, talk about what we love and talk about, um you know, like the deeper things, the like the deeper references um, that we see in Star Wars media and how that connects us and speaks to us as human beings. Um,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. I-, I love it. Um, and i'm I'm thinking, and, and I'm, I apologize, uh, Amoris, did I get your favorite moment of the community?
2: Oh no, but th- but that's okay. Mine, mine is what we're doing right now—just talking yeah. to Star Wars <laughs> friends and and hearing everyone's opinions. I love this right now.
0: Awesome. <laughs> I apologize
2: for my black screen, but yeah. you know, girls will struggles again.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's all good. It's all good. And, and that we've introduced. Um, I'll uh, be able to bring up some some comments. Uh, we have Cal uh, for saying, uh, "Is is that an eggie?" <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we love it.
3: Hi, Cal. <laughs> I miss you.
0: Um, but yeah, from now on, they'll they'll pop up on the on the screen. And I mean, real talk, we have the absolute best uh, best people in the chat. So, <laughs> oh, also very big point. Um, any anyone in the chat who tries to spoil No Way Home or anything like that. Um, you're just going to be blocked from my channel forever. Because, like, you know, if you follow me and, and, like, we're cool, you know that's not cool. And I, I don't play like that. So, like, that's that's a permaband right there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh,
2: <laughs> you're, we'll also, you're...
0: Brooke <laughs> will personally come to your house and steal all of your forks.
2: <laughs> Give them to uh, the I-can't-remember-Hawkeye's girl. <laughs> what is her name? Never mind. give them to Kate Kate. that's it
0: (laughs) Um, oh you know what actually I want to do this since we actually have you know such a a cool group Um, normally I'm not taking questions right now but uh, Troy asks who are your favorite you know Star Wars um, we'll just say Star Wars creators if we can do a quick lightning round just so that people can find other people to follow potentially Um, and I know Emerus you're not on TikTok so it could be anywhere but oh. lightning round, favorite uh, Star Wars content creator, and uh, I'll go to Kiki first. throw her in the hot seat.
3: Oh my! Well, I already said Star Wars lawyer, so I'll have to come up with somebody else, won't I? M oh. I don't know last name, but Claudia. Claudia.
0: Oh, Claudia says is
3: chaotic <laughs> and amazing. Claudia says on TikTok is wild and hilarious and deeply (laughs) in love with Thrawn so it's like some of the funniest stuff I watch
4: taste
3: Uh, how about you Rhonda Uh,
4: I have to shout out Star Wars English class podcast Um, and also both of the hosts are on TikTok Julia and Fern Uh, for anyone who likes literary discussions of Star Wars
0: yeah, both of them are English teachers um, and <laughs> awesome people. Also, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Claudia. So she's part of the Rue Palps podcast, so you can check them out as well. Um, how about you, Eggie?
1: Um, well, I was going to say Star Wars lawyer. <laughs> um, I I have to give a special shout out to Fern and Julia, of course, Um but I always call Fern my arch nemesis on TikTok. Uh, I love her so much because she's a big Jedi defender. And I was like, her videos are so awesome. And I'm like very critical of the Jedi. So I always joke and say we're arch nemesis, arch Um She's the best. Um, she always makes me laugh. Um, I'll give a shout out to uh, Megs for sure. I love Megs. She is one of the most wholesome and positive, like, you know, like, I never want to push, like, I, I never, I, sometimes I'm careful to say like, oh, they're so like wholesome and positive. Cause I don't want to like, you know, kind of put them in a corner or kind of like put them in a box. But Meg's content always makes me smile. It's so warm. It's so, she just like, seems like one of the most genuinely kind people on the internet and she's <laughs> me and her just, I just, she's my race, Dan buddy. And, um, <laughs> and I love her. She's the, she's the best. I
0: completely agree. Like she's someone I became friends with because of how positive they were in my comment section. Mm-hmm. Like before, before they ever started making content, you know, yeah, They're just like I, I don't know you, but I I love you already. <laughs> um, and how about you, uh, Amris?
2: I say mostly on uh, YouTube. Um, I love what the force. I think mm. MMC over there makes some incredible videos uh for eu uh 100 star wars luke over there is is a lot of fun too i learned so much from him about the extended universe that i never knew about and then uh, blue bantha milk co is also a lot of fun love those guys over there
0: awesome i love it i appreciate it um i want to shout out uh well first of all you know we we got we do have a uh, half fern in the chat who's saying... Uh, and Julia's hands. in
4: there, too. <laughs> and yeah.
0: Julia as well. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in really interesting narrative podcasts, you, you should definitely check out uh, Camilla Wookie here uh, has um, uh, Beings of the Galaxy, which is amazing. Um, we have uh, Brian of the, the Pink Milk podcast mm. pops in mm. here. Love Brian to death. And... Most importantly, I got a shout out my my dad, Element 7, who's in the chat here. And I'm a little offended none of y'all said it, but you know,
3: that's that's cool. I like, it's a given that everyone follows him,
0: right? I, yeah. I, I, okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um uh he he has a podcast called Diet and the Force Happens on Saturdays and I hear his uh co-host is very handsome. Um <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, let's let's jump into it. Um, just to let's, I, I want to get into like what the the feminine gaze is and what the male gaze is, and why is it worth noting. Um, and of course, what we, we want to do, you know, open conversation. I want to hear everyone's thoughts and feel free to like. I don't have to call on you, but I will for sound for a long time. <laughs> um, well, I'll. <laughs> I'll ask um, uh, Emrys to to start.
2: Oh, dear. I I think at first it's important to note that film gaze and male gaze is film terminology. Um, And I I think because when we talk about male gaze, it's usually in a a negative sort of manner. So I just like to say right now, This is, this is film. Like we're, we all have masculine and feminine and part of ourselves, <laughs> but Melgaze gaze is more looking, um, from, uh, more of an objectifying nature. It was a, it was a literary or a film, a feminist theory device of when we look at film we are usually looking through the male gazer, the uh, objectifier. And when they look at women, they usually look at women as objects and not as people. And so we see this in movies all the time. Like a good example of that, the classic example is Alfred Hitchcock's. Um, oh, gosh, it just left my brain. Yeah. Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where she became the object of his desire. He had no desire to know her as a person, to have intimacy with her. And so that's the, the breaking point for me is a gaze is more about not seeing a person, but knowing a person through, through intimacy. And what is that but The Last Jedi? The Last Jedi is not about skills or... Uh, Becoming a Jedi, you know, it's more about Ray finding herself of who she is as a person, first and foremost, and knowing her dyad, her other half, as a person, first and foremost. Not as a shell, Kylo Ren, but who he is, the worst and the best of him, and the worst and the best of herself, too. Sorry. (laughs) That was too bad. That was perfect. That was was
0: beautiful. Um, I mean, do everyone else has uh, want to elaborate on it?
4: I think, um, sorry, I didn't talk over anyone, did I? <laughs> um, I think, uh, like, when we talk about the male gaze, I know, like, most of what we want to talk about n- now is, like, the feminine gaze as opposed to the male yes. gaze. But I think, um, like, understanding the male gaze, like, I think that we talk about it a lot in, like, popular culture and in kind of, like, general or like casual film discussion like we kind of all sort of know what the male gaze is like on a surface level but i think that we um like we miss so uh if for anyone who doesn't know the term comes from an essay um by laura mulvey called visual pleasure and narrative cinema yeah and you can find the pdf for free online if you want to read it um but uh, a key component of the male gaze that Mulvey outlines is not just, like, the objectification of women in a film or within a narrative, but also the, the viewer identifying with a male protagonist is a key yes, part yes. of it. Um, and so I think that is what we... I think, like, that's kind of, kind of, like, assumed, like, the male gaze is in everything, I think, as, as someone said at some point, the male gaze is in everything, um, yes. so it's kind of assumed that we are identifying, like, that the, the audience is, like, presumed, um, to be identifying with this male protagonist, mm-hmm. um, and I think if we're gonna think about it in the context of Star Wars, Luke Skywalker is, like, literally a self-insert character. Um, <laughs> George Lucas, like, modeled Luke Skywalker after himself. So he's designed to be projected onto and we're you know, intended, very much intended to view the story through uh, the gaze of Luke Skywalker. Um, I don't know if we were supposed to get into that yet, but <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, just wanted to note that about the male gaze as well.
3: Another another thing to add, which like you may have been mentioned, but I kind of got kicked off the stream for five seconds, oh. <laughs> um, is that Mulvey does note, first of all, and I think it's very important for us to clarify this, that this is a heterosexual view.
2: Yes. yes, yes. And I think yep. that's
3: very important to note is that we are talking about male, female gaze. We are talking about a very limited scope of how one sees film. Um, so this is not taking into account other identities outside of mm-hmm. male, female, um, it's not taking in- into account other sexualities outside of heterosexual. Um, now it's that's also been-
4: intertwined with like the white gaze. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Yes. I was
3: about to say this is very much written about whiteness, in my opinion. And Julia mentioned in the chat, but bell hooks passed away today. And bell hooks, one of her responses to this entire idea was to create something called the oppositional view, mm-hmm. and positional view is basically saying for Black women, we tend to not identify with this sort of thing. Because when we are in film, we are not necessarily the the object of eroticism or or pleasure or something in the same way that a white woman might be. So that's also something to note about the female gaze. But that aside, um, something that I find very important, when you talk about the female gaze, you need to talk about how the male gaze these women as passive. And what I mean by that is that if you are looking at it through the traditional male gaze, usually the woman is not a very well-developed character within the story. She's not there to be a well-developed character. And in fact, Mulveen mentions that this is considered a threat. If she starts doing things that make her more dimensional. Yes,
1: absolutely. And it's, And the, first off, I didn't know that Bell Hooks passed away today. Um, Wow. I, how old was she? 69. Jesus. Mm. I, I, Bell Hooks is just, I, I started reading um, her work in college and just one of the, she and, um, she and Audre Lorde just kind of like really, that was like the floodgates for me when taught, when examining like black femininity and the black feminine perspective. So that's absolutely heartbreaking um but yes you guys are absolutely correct um i also feel um, it's important to point out that the female gaze as a concept is very abstract like as you can see Mm -hmm. and as you can hear from everyone speaking about it like Mm -hmm. it's a very abstract concept so a lot of you know we're talking about sexuality, we're talking about agency, we're talking about development of a, of of a fem- of female characters, we're talking about you know the lack of you know like viewing a story through the through the male perspective through this ma- through a male character being the male gaze. So there's a lot of different roads you can go down when examining this theory, um, and we'll probably get into a lot of those as we continue to talk. Um, also two other quick things. I, you know, and we kind of mentioned it a little bit in the beginning and I expect that a lot of us are coming at this with different perspectives and different opinions on a lot of different things. Um, for me, my personal opinion is that when we talk about the male gaze, um, I don't think that the male gaze is inherently a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can certainly think of many examples um, of of examples of it that I think are negative. But sometimes I think when we're talking about it, it's really easy to kind of put the like, this is this is the bad one kind of mm-hmm. stamp on it. And I just don't think that's particularly constructive. I don't yeah. think that really adds much to the conversation. Um, and it's more so that the male gaze just permeates. It's more kind of that. It's more like it's everywhere. It's every in everything we see in film and television. And I don't think that you know it's it, it's it's all about. Here's my Libra coming out. It's all about balance. You know, it's like if <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: you're wa- if you watch only movies where you know if you're only watching James Bond movies and you know you know. Michael Bay's Transformers series and those types of stories that really, and I love James Bond movies. Like I'm not, no shade to James Bond. I'm a huge fan. But if you're only watching those types of films that objectify women and don't allow them to develop and are strictly kind of firmly planted in the male perspective, it's going to skew how you view women in real life. You know, it's going to skew that. But if you have a healthy balance of, you know, of the male gaze, of the femme gaze, of different perspectives and a different, and and a filmography that is rooted in diverse perspectives and opinions and directors and genders, you know, like then you're gonna come out totally fine. It's all about having a balance of everything. Um, And the next, the last quick, oh well, the other quick point I wanna make is that I'm so flattered that, uh, that, and it's Mel, right? is it mel
0: uh em and Emris.
1: Em- Emris, sorry my, I, my apologies um Emris, it, it, i am so flattered that you loved my video on the female gaze I, that just yes. warms my heart um but it should be noted that that was you know it's a, that's a 60 second video um and i always tell people who compliment me on it like or when i get nice comments i'm like this is a jumping off point like yes. this is jumping <laughs> off like this is va- like you, and I remember I pinned my last comment I pinned. I was like the dialogue and the conversation has developed so much since when since after I posted this video, and it's only maybe about a year ago, like the conversation yeah. has changed. Like, please, you know, don't let this be your only kind of exposure to the concept of the female gaze. There are so many other perspectives from from, you know, from I from women of color, from queer women from, and I am queer, but, you know, other queer women. and, you know, and also non-binary people I do think can be involved in this conversation. I think when we talk about the male gaze and the female gaze, it's really easy to kind of lose the non-binary perspective because non-binary people have feminine and masculine in them as well. And I exactly. think that their, their opinions should be absolutely voiced here. So there's that. Um, and also, this is just a disclaimer for everybody who's watching this. This conversation, we're, we're talking about um, a lot of things tonight. We're talking about sexuality you know and so this conversation might get a little spicy might get a little uh so just prepare for that we might be talking about lightsabers and we also might be talking about lightsabers so you know heads up for everyone you know just the, the conversation might take a turn so i don't be
4: surprised if we start talking about that type of stuff well, our, we finally got a woman who got to have a lightsaber yeah a, a lightsaber
0: Mm. And then re- real quick, I, I just want to uh you know uh shout out like I have Dan the man in chat uh saying, you know, put some respect on uh, Michael Bay's transformers <laughs> never thought all women were like Megan Fox. And like I, I want to make sure everyone is is aware that um you know we we are we're talking we're we're mm-hmm. looking through like subjective thoughts about film and uh and just, just getting these different ideas because a lot of stuff isn't what I notice because I, you know, grew up with everything, you know, looking at it, like through the, the James Bond lens. Um, if I'm, if I'm hearing everyone correctly, um, and I apologize, this is not me attempting to mansplain. This is me trying to like put this into perspective. If the character can be replaced by a cheeseburger
4: or a breakfast <laughs> sandwich, <laughs>
0: I don't know. The breakfast sandwich seemed a lot more intimate.
4: (laughs) It was,
0: (laughs) you know, if it uh, I'm just like, oh, no, I looked at a cheeseburger like that like three days ago. And I don't know. That's 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 how how at least I'm putting it in in my head.
1: I like that analogy. I've never heard that, but that's really good. (laughs) That is really good.
0: It's not wrong. (laughs) Not wrong. (laughs) Um, Camilla asks, I'm, I'm curious to hear what these awesome guests have to say about the female gaze in animation, AKA Jennifer Corbett running the bad batch. Um, any, any thoughts on that? I just talked um, for way too long. Someone else go. <laughs> I mean, I, I, cause I don't even know who has seen
3: all of the bad batch. Um, the bad batch. I'm, I might get some flack for this, but the bad batch wasn't my most favorite star Wars story. But um what was the question
0: again, though? I get easily distracted. Oh, <laughs> no, just asking. Um, Is was something that Camilla had asked about um, uh, having Jennifer Corbett be the person running the Bad Batch if there was examples of feminine gays in Bad Batch that were notable or noteworthy.
3: Mm.
0: And also, real quick, I want to... Shout out my my buddy here at the the Comic Binge. Um, I actually just recorded uh, with him. Um, It's uh, Paul Herman. One of the very first podcasts I listened to for Star Wars was called Blaster Cannon. And that was his, like, um, his and a couple awesome creators, like, five years ago. And so there were some really cool people that I thought about them that made me want to start making content. So I got, I got to shout out my buddy real quick, but uh, yeah, no, if, if there's nothing that, that stands out, that's totally cool. And we can, uh, we can jump. In I
3: mean, the only it. thing I would say about the bad batch, um, first of all, I would say that everybody benefits from the female gaze. Mm-hmm. Everybody benefits within the story. Um, and the female gaze pushes and requires all characters to be well developed. Mm hmm. And so if you're thinking about the female gaze and you're looking at the Bad Batch, one thing I would say off the top of my head is that all of the merit, all of the male characters in the Bad Batch, they have their own personality. They have a collective goal. Although one of my biggest critiques of the Bad Batch was that I always was kind of trying to figure out what the long-term goal of the Bad Batch was, but there are goals. The goal is survive. Um, and they all are able to build connections to someone else in some shape or form, and that's something very important to know. Okay. I'm not sure if anyone else is hearing it, but I'm hearing like a lot of loud, loud feedback. Yeah, I, I'm getting some some um,
0: noise. I do think it's it might be coming from from M side. I don't know if there's a fan on you. Or oh, something like oh, that. I'm
2: so sorry. I'm so sorry. There we that go. That was me. I uh, I apologize again. I bring the struggle in. That's my specialty. <laughs> I, I didn't finish the, the bad batch. Um, I still need to see the last three episodes. But I think we all paused because there's very few Star Wars that I can think of that is told through FM Gaze. And that's one of the reasons we love The Last Jedi so much. It is because of that. Um, I I wish I I could find an example of the fem gaze in The Bad Batch and in the in in The Mandalorian and and I, it, to me it's it's very one point of view and, and that's one of the things that our critics of femme gaze will tell you. Is there are some filmmakers who are just sick of that term, male gaze, femme gaze, because they think that there should be no one gaze. It should be one diverse gaze. Um, that's a whole other discussion, but but there it is. I mean, it should be, we're, we, we shouldn't even have this conversation because our, our gazes should be so diverse in our storytelling that mm, that's it. And, and right now we hardly have any diversity in star in Star Wars. So
0: I don't know. If, Someone told me that uh the, the reason that they hired Kelly Marie Tran was to uh to get the Chinese uh, that the audience from China.
1: Oh dear.
2: <laughs> they
1: cracked like, the code. Oh my god, wow, wow golly gee. <laughs> my
0: yeah. mind is blown <laughs> yeah no, people, uh, people be wild out there mm.
1: it it is it is interesting because you know i was thinking about this and then kiki and then kiki said it. it it it's like you know you like oh examples of the female gaze and the bad batch and i was kind of thinking and i'm like well you know all of the male characters you know we have omega of course but all the bad batch themselves are very well developed you know men they have the show is not afraid to let these men be emotional to be vulnerable mm-hmm. um and and i was like and that could be considered to be kind of an like a road that the female gaze kind of goes down it a lot and then kiki said it you know everyone is developed everyone benefits and allowing these soldiers you know to be incredibly vulnerable with each other in the wake of such tragedy is is maybe not you know, like what we think of when we think of the female gaze, but that's definitely an element there for sure. So she's completely right. Yeah. I, I
3: I think, I mean, I think that for me too, it's also hard because the, the story of the bad batch is a story of a young, a little girl. And so, for me as well, I'm also trying to think like when I think female gaze, I start thinking about things that are maybe connected to attraction and all that stuff. And of course, mm. you don't see any of that with Omega. She's looking at the world through the eyes of a young child. She's looking at them as older brothers, as family. So, for me, I might just be very biased here in how I'm looking at it, because I look at that as a story of a young child and I don't see any of maybe the quote unquote traditional themes. Mm.
0: That I would then maybe put within the female gaze. But um okay. yeah. yeah. Well, let's do a a another quick um lightning round because obviously we, we want to stick on this topic of Star Wars, but I want to go around and do what's what are the best examples of them? Now I know you're probably all thinking the same ones, so everyone only only do one.
3: <laughs> Example of the female gaze in Star Wars.
0: Um, no, in, in outside and media other than Star Wars, oh. uh, just oh. just to give it an idea. Um, and then, and then we're going to break it down all the Star Wars stuff. So
4: mm.
0: if people are trying to think of any, something outside of Star Wars in order to like, liken it to what would they choose? And I will go to, um, round first or no Kiki first.
3: <laughs> so the, the example that I always give people when they're like, what's the female gaze? I say, have you ever seen the movie sleepless in Seattle? Mm. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, it feels a little different when you watch it, right? Like it feels out. They're like, yeah, he, they fall in love because of the voice. And I'm like, that's part of it. The voice is only a part of it. She falls in love because he's being emotionally open on national radio about the fact that he was so deeply in love with his wife. And now he's lost her. That was what got her emotionally connected to this man. Mm-hmm. So Sleepless in Seattle is the example that I always give people.
4: Okay, Let's I go.
0: like that. Um, very good choice, Rhonda.
4: Um, so I'm trying to think of like because I'm I keep going back to what you said, Kiki, about how the feminine gaze is so like caught up in like romance and attraction. So I'm trying to think of something that isn't about that, but that still uses feminine gaze. Um, I think Russian doll um, is very much about. Uh, which is a great series yes. on Netflix um, by Leslie Headland, who is doing the mm-hmm. Acolyte, which I'm very excited for. Um, it's uh, about one woman and her like introspective journey, um, and like how she sees herself, how she sees other people, um, and and like yeah, it's very much feminine gaze. Um,
3: and oh, and also,
4: there's a time loop, but that, that's <laughs> a side note. Um, uh, I think also, um, uh, flea bag. Um, yes. Uh, yes. I would also say uh, just to get, get
0: one because I, I don't oh, want to take one. them from Sorry. everyone else. I don't want because <laughs> uh, because we we know that it's it's a it's a perspective that we need more of. So. Mm-hmm. Like, Fully anticipated that there wasn't going to be a ton of examples of it.
3: Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, wh- what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Marilu?
1: Um Oh, uh, real quick, before I continue. Um, everybody here except for Brandon uses she, her pronouns, correct? Yes. yes. Okay, I just, wanted, I just wanted to make sure. Um, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is usually the example that I give. Um, it is directed by a woman, written by, it's a French film, um, and it 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 is like there's kind of a running joke about like lesbian period dramas <laughs> that I do think is legitimately pretty funny. Um, but Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a very is a very different animal. It's um it encapsulates the female gaze so well, in my opinion, because it is literally about one woman painting a portrait of another woman. Um, so the the literal eyes like like. Seeing someone, Mm. like really seeing them is played on a lot in that film. Um, It is a beautifully intimate, like it's about like, you know, uh, this woman, she's, uh, she paints portraits. Um, She is hired to paint the portrait of um, a woman of higher standing than her who is being married off to a man, I think in Italy, if I remember correctly. And the woman whose portrait she's painting does not want her portrait painted. She doesn't want to be painted. So there's a lot of like, you know, the the entire time our protagonist is trying to kind of catch a glimpse of her. But she's always wearing like lace around her face. Like there's a lot of push and pull between the two of them. And when that wall finally calm, comes down and they really see each other, there is it is so intimate and beautiful and and passive and soft. And um, th- there's a, there's a scene where it's actually like a portrait, like a, like when she's painting her portrait and it is one of like one of the most impactful scenes I've seen in a movie in a very long time. I do legitimately think it might, I don't use the word like this movie is important or like <laughs> this movie is like, has, is it, is a work of artistic genius. I don't use those mm. terms lightly. I think that portrait of a lady on fire falls into that though. it's, it is, like say it's the type of movie where it's like raining out and I watch it then I cry all day. So yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, awesome. I will have to, to watch that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I myself am like one of the stories I'm tr- trying to write has a, as a female protagonist. And there's so many times where I'm writing something and I'm like, is this, is this what I, I like, do, am I allowed to write this? Like I don't have the software, uh, I think to fully understand it but hopefully this will this will help me get <laughs> a little bit closer Mm-mm. um uh, how about you emerous
2: um I, I was trying to trying to think and I think because uh, uh, so many of the examples that I would have said have already been been used <laughs> yeah. but um, I love period films and the reason why is because so much of it is told through nonverbal communication. So much of it is told through a mask where you basically have to read signals to understand a person and really dive deep. So like uh, Pride and Prejudice, Emma, to me, our Jane Austen is all about seeing the perspective of women living in a very patriarchal viewpoint and then gripping that viewpoint to the very truth of that person, all of those people in, involved. And you do see hand and eye, um, contact in Pride and Prejudice and this new Emma as well. Um, I really love it. Are those the strongest examples, especially Emma? No, but there are the examples that I could come yeah. up <laughs> at that point in time. Um, I'll just, I'll just stay there, but I would, uh, recommend I've I've been reading a little bit of Bray's um article about the female gaze she is taking it to a level where it female gaze is not just about um seeing well-developed characters it's also about seeing the world through um through that female character taking down the, the patriarchy through a feminine way. Um, and she includes trans women in that discussion um, that is devoted to representing women experiences experience, including those of trans women's and ways at the foreground that position on subjects desire. So I'm just wondering if, Maybe like you've been saying that the femme gaze video has increased in conversation. Maybe femme gaze has more diversity than once we thought. Do you think that definition helps, or do you think that definition is still pretty solidly masculine and feminine? I don't. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not stepping on anyone's toes asking that question. But when I read that article. I wondered what other people would have would think about that
4: because like if our our
1: categorization is too gendered with mm -hmm. when talking about it mm. Mm -hmm. yeah
2: because I I, to me when when we started talking about well are the characters well developed are they seen as full people I think that is part of female gaze but I think to, to me, femme gaze is not just about well-developed characters because I think we can experience that through male gaze too. To me, femme gaze is more about experiencing the world through the eyes of the other. <laughs> if if that <laughs> makes sense. What um,
3: I oh sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. Like I'm am I'm, I'm talking about a very sensitive subject here, and I. I'm asking these questions because I I do want to know: Can the film gaze be explored in a more diverse way, or are we really stuck in the narrowness of it? Because if if I can, if we can, I can bring up more examples of movies. That's why I'm asking this question because I'm like, <laughs> I have more examples, but would would it? Would they fit in the criteria that's been presented? Does, am I making any sense? I apologize mm, if I, I'm not.
0: I, I, I no, I get it. I understand. I, I don't. I don't have the answer. I
1: <laughs> basically, yeah. Uh, I, I I think that's why. Like when we were initially talking about it, like whenever I talk about the female gaze, I uh, always point out how abstract it is. Like I'm yeah. like, this is a big net. It's yeah. a big net like i i don't like to limit it i know usually we view it through kind of the lens of sort of romance and sexuality but right. i don't like to limit it that way i like to be like super abstract you can come at this from any different angle there's so like if if like let me put it this way if if the four of us we're told to write, if if, like we had a professor, let's say we're all in college, we're working on our doctorates or whatever, you know, and our, and our professor says, all right, you know, this is probably more undergrad, but like our professor is like, all right, write me an essay on the female gaze. I guarantee you that all four of us would turn in something completely different. Like exactly. I, I, I guarantee you. Like, so I, that's why I usually like to focus on, you know, how abstract it is. And if it feels female, if it feels femme gaze to you, it, it can be considered it. That's usually but, my approach, yeah. Well, and
3: he, Like Mulvey, when she wrote this, like she wrote about the male gaze, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She never gave us any definitions of what was, else was out there. She mm-hmm. was specifically talking about this is the male gaze. She was defining it. She was talking about how, you know, it is a medium of looking for pleasure and all of that. So that is literally the starting point that everybody kind of got. And then from there... There's not been a very clearly defined Mm -hmm. in front, yeah. From what I'm hearing,
0: nor should there be. You know, yeah, Um, like yeah. I just thought of two of my favorite of of two of my favorite films. One of which is um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and I feel like watching these two people where that uh, intimacy was removed. Um, But they still feel the connection versus someone that is viewing uh, her through a very, I don't know, what would be pleasure-driven way, but using the intimacy learned from this other person and how that interplays. I don't know. I I don't know if that might be considered part of it. And then another one of my favorite movies is The Prestige, where you have... um, The character, you know, at when you get to the end, you realize that there's he has has a twin brother, and having the comparison with their wife, uh the entire time where there is all these subtle, but they're still pretending to be the same person, and she's like, No, you don't love me today. Um, but it makes it feel more special on the days that you do, and you find out why that is. I don't know. I'm curious if those two examples kind of fold in somehow.
1: <laughs> I love the prestige example. Uh, you're, I love the prestige as, prestige as well, and you're completely right. I, I I, think that, like, yeah, like that's, like, the difference between... I mean, spoilers for the prestige. Are we all okay with that?
3: <laughs> it's been out for, like, 10 years. That's yeah, it's been out.
1: Um, yeah, it's Christian Bale is actually a set of twins, um, but they never let anyone know that there's two of them to keep up this, sh- this like, charade of kind of like them being magicians and them working together, you know, blah, 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 blah. So to keep up the charade, they're so dedicated to it that they both, they marry the same woman. Um, mm-hmm. and one is in love with her and the other is not. And that's where, where she says, yeah, like you don't love me today. You don't mean it today. Cause she doesn't know that she's technically married to two men. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I feel like, you know i always say that like the female gaze the male gaze is seeing it the, the male gaze is looking at someone and the female gaze is seeing someone like yes it's this like so you have one version of the twin that looks at her and the other one that loves her sees her like it's mm-hmm. And it's a very abstract kind of subjective way to put it. I, I said that to someone once and they were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I don't, and I really don't blame them because it is so kind of abstract, but like, I think that's a good example, Brandon. I, I like that, that idea of looking versus seeing. Yes, yeah.
3: yes. Well, and I would also say like, Within the female gaze, I think that it removes women from this passive position within the story and it puts them in an active position. And what that means is that the female character is no longer having to accept crumbs from the male character. To be attracted to someone, to be in a relationship with them, you do have to bring something to the fucking table. Yeah. If you are an active person in the story, if the story—if you are an active character in the story—suddenly the person that it is attracted to you, they have to bring something to the table, and what that forces is for usually in a situation, male characters to be well developed, for them to have a personality, for them to have goals, for them to put in effort to get the attention of the female character, and so when I go back and I say the female gaze literally helps everybody that's what I'm talking about mm. this forces the male characters to connect and have traits that I think are traditionally attractive to many women
2: yeah yeah or or anyone <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah anyone um yeah I've been reading a, a lot of uh from Bray um this am that's who I quoted about how she includes trans women in this discussion of of the female gaze. And one thing that she says, like she has six qualifications. I pulled up the quote. (laughs) I love it because it helps me define the scope a little bit more. But she says the female gaze is a story that calls into the question of the patriarchal order, meaning is she calling out the system that oppresses her and is by doing that makes her, um, more of a, of of an individual. And that's one of the reasons I think, um, that it's more diverse than we think femme gaze is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or according to Bray, she sees more possibility of diversity in this discussion. I don't know. My brain has been full of bray.
3: (laughs) I think, you know, I'm pretty quiet on this because frankly, I'm not a trans woman and I'm not going to try to speak for them. I'm not going to try to speak for my experience. So that's why I'm sitting here quietly because I don't think that I should even try to broach that subject because I would overstep very quickly. Um, Yeah. Uh, So that's why I, that's why personally, I just don't feel like I can offer any commentary on this. Hmm.
2: I, I didn't necessarily mean let's discuss it from a trans woman point of view. I, I meant it more of um, diversity as as a whole, like what <laughs> i don't know i'm I'm asking the question because i you said something that just really perked my ears <laughs> and and i I guess I wanted to know more is you said that this is very much of a uh, I'm trying to think of the words. Forgive me, um, but male and female gaze is is more of like um. What we're talking like, about like yeah, the limitations
3: yeah. that those two yes, present. Le- yes, limitations. There's, two, there's only two identity. Um, well, is that right? Uh, two, many
2: identities. <laughs> so that, yeah, yeah, I wasn't necessarily talking. She mentions trans women and that's the reason I was mentioning trans women in this. But she's talking more about. The the fact that it's not just about, um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm <laughs> the, these thoughts are like more of like uh, not baked in my mind. That's why I'm not very articulate about it, and I apologize. But to me, I just feel like there's something more in this than just well developed characters. There's something more in the female gaze than tearing down structures that mean to suppress. And that's one thing that I see in, okay, here it is. This is what I was going for. And I didn't realize that I had to spew out nonsense to get to my point that if you look at Pride and Prejudice, if you look at The Last Jedi, if you look at Women on Fire, if you look at all of those, all of those women have a key component of They're not just falling in love. They're just not being intimate or knowing someone or feeling the scene, this whole character. They're also tearing down a structure that prohibits them from feeling and doing and being who they truly are. And the last Jedi, you see that with Ray and deconstructing the Jedi order with pride and prejudice and sense and sensibility. You see it um, with, the, some of the more stir patriarch that tells what a woman should do and what a woman should not do. Um, so so that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's not just about knowing a person or, or having well-developed characters. I think also in the thin gaze, it's about a revolution as well. And so hence that is the diversity. Am I making any sense?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm following and it, and it feels um so it, it, even though we are yes. often having this
2: <laughs> comes down to agency simply put All yeah
1: right.
3: <laughs> thank um, you
2: i'm sorry forget forgive my Miranda. i was just it, it was just not a very well-baked thought forgive me
3: no, so essentially essentially being an active character
2: I know, a character, yes, but I think also part of the female gaze is about tearing down restrictions as well. Because the male gaze, again, is, is not just objective, it's the, the story and everyone around it is a- around you. Where I think the male gaze is more about tearing it down and making it more about
1: not just one person, but a group of people or a pair of people. I often find that, like, there there is liberation and self discovery. You know, yeah. like when we, you know, when with a lot of these stories that we're bringing up, a lot of these female characters, there is that feeling of like their the completion of their of their heroine's journey. The comp- whether that heroine's journey be one of you know self discovery or any other kind of you know journey they may go on. Ray is on my mind since we're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, you know, it's all about her finding out who she is and mm-hmm. with that knowledge comes power it comes there like you cannot it's kind of like the same thing with i know captain marvel's kind of a um it's kind of a polarizing film i liked it um i i, I, cer- I don't certainly understand the criticisms but i like it and it's like when she finds when carol finds out who she is i forget jude law's character's name jude law cannot control her anymore like yeah. with yeah. knowledge of self discovery, of self actualization, comes that power and that agency to make a different, to make kind of like a more active difference. So I, I see what you mean for sure. I mean it's a, a difference
2: in for people at large, not just one person, but mm-hmm. many people. Like mm-hmm. when you, when you, your stories about breaking down the patriarch, which according to Bray, that's part of female gaze you are breaking down a structure that confines not just you, but confines everybody. Mm. So I just think that there is something about that, a theme that I'm now seeing from reading this book, that it's more about, it's more than just a love story. It's it's also seeing through the female gaze seeing people seeing who they are and then seeing what they truly need and helping them achieve that. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: So let's let's now take it and apply it directly into into, into Star Wars. Um and, you know, obviously there's not a, a ton of examples of this in um, the original or <laughs> the prequel <laughs> trilogy. Uh but if if there is, um, I mean can do you can you guys think of if any examples of it in either of those trilogies or um or where it should be, but it's missing.
4: Hmm.
0: I guess we'll we'll start there. Um
4: Rhonda, um, why don't why don't you start? <laughs> um I uh, somebody in the chat way back, uh I think it was Brooke, mentioned um the episode of The Mandalorian, which is in the original trilogy era, um, I, which I don't remember which episode it was. Um, the episode, I think it's episode four with Omira, correct? Yes. Yes. That one. Um, and I think, yeah. Kiki, did you do a video about this recently? About how like you can like, you don't even see his face and yet he's personified through through Omera's, like we don't really see through her gaze but but um yeah so like the feminine gaze is like is personifying the object of desire rather than objectifying and i think that particular episode really i maybe because it is kind of a romantic connection and attraction i think that particular episode we really see um that uh, that personification, um, yeah, I, that's that's the main example I can think of in the original trilogy era. Um, yeah, and uh, have, have
0: any thoughts? Um, of- there,
1: there is one scene that comes to mind for me, and again, it's kind of this feeling of it just feels like the female gaze to me. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, there there is an emphasis on. On on the actual gaze on the on the actual action of gazing, and it's the scene in uh, Revenge of the Sith where Anakin and Padme are in separate buildings and they're staring across the city at each other, and it's when Anakin makes the decision to mm. to do what he has to do. It's just even though the result of that particular moment is very you know is violent and it's very um it's you know it's it's very masculine you know it's like this very like he's like I'm gonna go do this thing you know and um there is such a the quiet passive intimacy of that of that scene and how there is no dialogue there is no physical touching it is just two people looking across the city at each other they maybe don't even know that they're that the other is doing the same action they're doing and that silent tragic sort of resolution. It just feels very feminine to me. So that one, um, I I think that would be my example from the prequel trilogy.
4: Okay. And it is uh, like, that is kind of like, even though they're not literally seeing each other, it's that eye contact. mm. At least that's like the, 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 if I remember incorrectly, like the way that it's filmed, the eye line matches up, so it kind of seems like they're looking. Am I remembering it correctly? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I I, I feel it in uh, Return of the Jedi when Luke and Leia are talking. Never mind, uh, I'm, I'm kidding. That's <laughs> actually I was
3: actually about to say that one. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, so it's. I wouldn't ever classify it as a romantic scene, but I think it's a scene where you, it's really centering down on Leia talking about, at the time, like her memories, mm. about her feelings. And it's its a scene that is centered both on Luke and Leia connecting with each other, but also on Leia expressing her emotions in a way that she frankly doesn't get to do um, in such a, how to say, it's such a peaceful setting because she expresses her emotions a lot with Hans, but it's usually yelling at him because he has pushed the last damn button with her. <laughs> and, you know, as I get older, I understood Princess Leia so much more. I was like, oh, like there's this, sorry, I'm, I'm on a tangent now. There's this great line in like Empire Strikes Back where she's like sitting down, she's like, one of these days you're going to be wrong. And I hope that you're, th- I'm there to see it. And I was like, I understood that level of rage. <laughs> Definitely felt that toward somebody in my life before. Um <laughs> But in Return of the Jedi, it's a much more peaceful scene. It's very quiet. And Luke, the way that he's looking at her, of course, it's his sister. But he's just sitting there, like, looking at her with so much love and affection. And mm-hmm. it's a brother-sister love. And it's just very sweet. And I think that's something to also mention what I would say about the female gaze is it's not necessarily romantic. It can be, but it's not always.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like Definitely.
0: Um, yeah. How about you, uh, 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 Amos? You have one?
2: Yeah, I, I was thinking. Um, to me, <laughs> again, it's not romance or anything, but it's a female seeing and hearing and knowing a person. It's a scene in the Ma- in Mandalorian when Ahsoka talks to Grogu about who he truly is, what his history is, and she sees through the Force. And maybe that is a part of a femme gaze. <laughs> it's not just looking at the eyes of the person, but th- the, who they who they are, what their story is, what they have felt, what they have seen. I mean, that was like a parent and child finger-touching scene when she takes his hand is they now know each other. And Ahsoka is now the living person that knows and has felt the, through the Force Grogu's story.
0: You, and I also have uh JJ cat lady in the, um, in the chat who was talking about, uh, Oh no, Brooke brought it up first. Sorry. Um, the, the kiss and attack of clones before they go into out into the Coliseum. Uh mm. feels very feminine. And mm. I, I love that scene and the framing of it. And if I'm understanding this correctly, I think we could might be able to characterize in this film what Anakin was doing to her before was very male gaze, especially the, I mean, the, the way the fireplace scene ends is, yes. like, is quite uncomfortable um, and you're like, yeah, no, no, but take a lap, take a lap, you know, a cold shower, baseball, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Um, but it feels like after that scene, they go to Tatooine and that's where she gets to see him open up and be emotional. Mm -hmm. And then they connect. And then it feels like that kiss was both of them coming together rather than him Mm -hmm. devouring her. Mm -hmm. If that makes.
2: It's a perfect flip flop of what the last Jedi is like the fire scene took Ray and Ben together. And then it took them push them into the Colosseum of Snoke's throne room so they could fight together.
3: Oh, I was just, sorry. I was just thinking like the Phantom Menace, the end, well, it's near the end, but it's a scene where Padme reveals that she's been the queen all along. And I don't know if it would technically even be considered the female gaze, but it's a scene that has always struck me as being this moment where you realize that this young woman always had agency she was just standing down and waiting because that mm-hmm. was point at that point was to not be noticeable for the whole movie she didn't want attention and that was the whole point point. and so i know that there's like that was a moment that like i just remember being a very young girl and just being blown away by the idea of like no this woman who's very pretty and that you like throughout this movie oh she was being strategic this whole time. There was a strategy to everything that she did. But I don't know if that's female gaze or if it's just I liked that moment. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see what you mean to her. Kind of,
1: like kind of that yeah, like
3: more deep thought into it, honestly. Mm. Uh,
0: cool. Well let's 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 jump into uh let's jump to the the sequel trilogy and we can kind of spend the last uh you know the rest of our time in here because there's a lot of examples. Um I know there's some uh <laughs> hand gestures and lightsaber grabbing <laughs> to, to, to discuss. Um, but yeah, what what jumps out at, at you guys? Uh, if I can go to I'll go to um
2: to Emra. Oh uh, gaze and the last Jedi. <laughs> I, I think pretty much uh the whole movie is Fem Gaze. Um I I think one that I, I just talked to someone about is the shirtless scene with Kylo Ren Like if you look at that, at, at first you think he she you know that might be an aversion of the the male gaze because she's looking at a man's half nakedness. <laughs> but I think in the fem gaze perspective, and truly I think it's the fem gaze because she didn't want to objectify him. What that scene truly is 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 Ray seeing him as a man, not a monster not a machine like Vader, but someone who is scarred and broken. Um, someone who is wanting the truth of that night to be known by someone of, look, this is what happened to me with with Luke. Um, he wants to be intimate with her. And she finally decides that she's going to go and discover the truth for herself about herself too. So that scene is not just a man appearing and being naked uh, so we can Google him. That scene means so much more in the film gaze of, of Ray seeing who, who Kylo is. He's not just a murderous snake. He's a man who has been through so much and was portrayed by his uncle that he truly trusted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um- <clears throat> I, I, I need to, I've been meaning to add that to the TikTok audio with Ray being like, hey, this look pretty
2: good. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure she thought that too. But I think at the same time through the Finn gaze, it, it was more about him, her looking at him and seeing him because she was, she could be tar- staring at that chest. Like the, the amazing thickness of it all. Yeah,
1: Refrigerator was- man.
2: She was looking into his eyes. She was hearing what he had to say. She was seeing his story for the first time. And that's probably the only person that Ben has said to her, this is what happened to me that night. This is why I burned the temple down. See me, know me as I see you, as I know your heart. that you've been looking for uh, a father figure everywhere, you know, in Hansel. But, But look, like, Swallow the truth about who you are and know who I am too. I'm
0: sure no one's ever like asked him what what happened. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's probably mm. the first time. Uh, Brooke says every time Ray fixes BB-8's antenna, it's very familiar mm-hmm. to me. I mostly just think of of now. Um, now. With that,
1: <laughs> so, oh, thanks.
0: Awesome, uh, amazing! You know, Ray cosplay. Uh, oh, this thank past you. Weekend and yeah, those those videos were awesome.
1: It just warms my heart. When we talk, and I think it's also important very, very, very quickly to talk about, um, because when we're looking at the sequel trilogy, you know, a lot of the examples, examples that I've pointed out, examples that Rhonda has, and examples that I'm sure, you know, Kiki has as well, and I, it's this feeling of, um, like, we need to acknowledge the phallic nature of lightsabers very, very quickly. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> Here's the thing about lightsabers, because
3: okay. I'm sorry, it just—I was like, I felt like I was just in a like, in, like back in like college, and like my my women's like studies professor was just, like, let's start talking about lightsabers f- and what they really mean.
1: Yes, <laughs> <And we're> also- <laughs> but like because here's the thing. So I posted this video about you know this the scene. Um, in fact, fe- and I'll use that scene as an example. The scene where. Uh, ben flicks his fingers and Ray's hand comes up and grabs the saber. And I was like, this yeah. is very sexual. And this is very feminine gaze to me because it's not explicit sexuality, but it is sexual through um, imagery and through implication. And a uh-huh. lot of people responded with, well, what are you talking about? All she's doing is grabbing a lightsaber. Like what, you're saying that every time someone grabs a lightsaber, it's it's fair? like, no, certainly <laughs> not. But what we have to acknowledge about lightsabers is that lightsabers, are so phallic in nature that it's almost funny. Like it's you know it is funny. It's hilarious. Like they might be the most phallic weapon in fiction because, like, when we're looking at phalluses, you know, we're, we're looking at swords, <laughs> axes. Like it's getting it's getting you spicy. I told you.
3: at this moment? This, this moment. So not not to throw you
0: you off, but yeah, like sorry. this makes me think of like like um. Someone like General Grievous, who's like, the lightsaber is oh, what yeah. makes me tough. And oh, that's yeah. why he goes overboard with it. And you're yeah. like, oh, he's, he's confident, You yeah. know?
1: <laughs> but it, Sorry, it, it's ahead. like, no, you're fine. It's it's hilarious. It's goofy and crazy and wacky. Of course it's funny. But when we're looking at phalluses in fiction, like like phallic on weaponry, we look at swords, we look at axes, we look at the, those types of things. You know, They're unsheathed, they're blah, blah, blah. Okay, got it. But the thing about a lightsaber is that A lightsaber in of itself, the hilt itself is, is realistic, is probably more than an axe, more than a sword, realistically phallic. And also, like, you guys, you turn them on and they grow, okay? Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's, I don't know what else to say. I'm sorry. Like, but it's hilarious, okay? It's, and now do I think that... Does that mean that every time someone uses a lightsaber, it's sexual? No, of course not. But sometimes it is meant to be. And, you know, when we're looking at that scene in The Last Jedi, that shot, that continuous five second long shot of Kylo moving his fingers and Ray coming up and grabbing the saber, (laughs) again, it's passive sexuality. It's not explicit, but at the same time, it kind of is. It's this is, you know, Performing a certain act for your partner. I don't know what else this like. I'm just saying that when he flicks his fingers, every woman, every femme presenting person in the audience went, oh, <laughs> okay. And every man went like, huh? That like, happened. what? You know? And and I don't blame them. I'm not saying men are silly man. Like, no, of course not. I why would you? But I think in that in that context with that motion moving forward and leading into Ray coming up and grabbing the saber. A saber, by the way, that Ben perceives to be his. Yes. Okay. It is sexual in nature. And I think that's a really good example of like the female gaze being utilized by Ryan in The Last Jedi, you know, in a, in a sexual way. So I, <laughs> I said Phallus, I think, 50 times. Anyways, moving I <laughs>
3: was very proud of you. I said, somewhere there's a women's studies professor that is very proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) No, but like when you were talking about that, that was the first thing that I thought was when he does that motion and he's calling the lightsaber though, right? Mm. He's putting complete trust in Ray that she's going to catch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's like, he's doing something. He's like, look, I know that I can use the force in such a powerful way that I can pull this towards us. I know she's going to catch it. And so like, it's also putting a lot of trust In Ray to handle the situation once he's already done something. Mm -hmm. He didn't pull it towards himself. I'm like, that is Kylo just not trying to do ever like this, oh, save the damsel in distress. It's like, no, I need to do this one thing and then I know she can handle it from here. Yes. Yeah.
1: Perfect.
0: That's really cool. (laughs) Because I I, I didn't really think about that. In in the previous movie, it's that that belongs to me and Mm. he pulls it, tries to pull it towards himself. This time, he didn't try to pull it towards himself at all.
2: What's also <laughs> and then it s- grew
3: after she grabbed it. I'm done. <laughs> and, then, spicy. and then
0: the uh, following fight scene go- got so hot and heavy that it burned the set down.
3: <laughs> um, the one scene that I think of in The Last Jedi, and it might be a little surprising to say, but it's, I think, the first scene where they connect through the forest and you know she's like mad. She's like you know like wait wait what's going on? How do you did it? And Kylo like is looking around, and she's like spitting, but she's like you monster, you did this. He's looking around, and he's like, can you see me? Because I I can see you. And it's just like this. But what it does is that it shows you another side of Kylo Ren, which mm-hmm. is like he's kind of like this awkward, silly person. Like when you take him out of the context of being this dark lord fighter person sith whatever he's just kind of a silly person it also gives you another understanding like you know when we bent the english is not happening tonight but like i said <laughs> what makes a character important you know having a personality and it develops that personality and you see a part of kylo ren of ben solo and you're like oh this person's funny if we'd met him any other time in his life he would probably be that dopey like, nerd kid that had 15 girls kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? So that was a thing that really appealed to me, but also humor appeals to me. If you can make me laugh, you've already gotten in with me at that point.
2: Well, it's showing how much he has the heart of Han Solo, too. Like, he slid, like, Han. He had more of those, like, really awkward (laughs) moments that Han does. With Leia, to me, that's the beautiful part of Leia and Han is it, you you only see who truly Han is when he's with Leia. Mm-hmm. Through Leia's eyes, you see that vulnerable man that he is that does want to be a hero. But when he's around with the other guys, he goes into the shell of machoism
3: <laughs> <I just laughs> say, he's another person with Chewie as well. He gets yeah, but then again, like Chewie, what was it like the phrase is like, it's the story of a man and the dog and han exactly. is yep. <laughs>
1: exactly
3: exactly <laughs> exactly han is uh, yeah you'll get another true. one it's when he talks <laughs> what well, you say that like he does show a different side of himself with leia
0: yeah uh it we have a forwarded to the black says what theater kids can flirt and my <laughs> my active theory is that all villains in star wars were just former theater kids uh, <laughs> Except for, except for Anakin, who should have been a theater kid, but like he was raised in a tradition that wouldn't allow it. His parents are like, no. And he's like, "I, I just have to be theatrical, you know, like that's, let me be. And that's, that's why he became a Sith Lord. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that I've talked about villains before on my, my channel, but I think that a lot of times. And I I've had so many people be like, but why do villain why do women love villains? Like, why do you like Bane? I've had a, that question a couple of times lately because they're like, this is getting a little bit out of out of pocket.
4: <laughs> I like, love it.
3: <laughs> I'm like, I would, I'll 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 sacrifice myself to like save Gotham. You guys just send me and I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, send me in with like a bottle of wine and some like romantic music CDs. I will figure this situation out in about 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that realistically speaking, villains, if you think about like what appeals to the female gaze, to be a good villain, you have to have motivation. Villains are often driven by something emotional. Something bad has happened to them and they want revenge. They want to make things right, or they want something that they feel is owed to them. They are usually emotionally driven. Mm. So when you think about how how villains are written, about how they are portrayed, they fall directly into that displaying emotion, connecting with people. The villain, A good villain has to connect with people. And I think that's why characters like Kylo Ren and Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, that's why they do appeal so much to the female gaze. It's because you've already got the setup right there for it. It's, it's funny. I
0: mean, you guys ex- are explaining all this stuff. And I think about, like, my courtship with my wife and I wasn't like, I'm obviously not a villain, but like I just see stuff that li- that lines up of like, you know, when, um, the villain is, I, obviously I, I, I could be very wrong on all of this stuff. So please check me. That's totally cool and welcome. But I think one of the cool things about the villain is that the villain's purpose is not to get the girl the the villain's purpose he has his own he they have their own purpose they're doing stuff they're making moves they have their own drive and focus and it's almost like um how how do i how do i explain it it's almost like it's um like you're pulling something out of them by catching their attention Mm
3: -hmm.
0: not waving something in front of them
3: to catch their attention you know well, well a villain has to convince you to be with them i mean yes. like here here we go we're all getting on like the kiki like bane train at this point so like <laughs> hey, think about it if this if bane was ever to try to convince me to go and be his wife and live with him you know think of all the things that you're gonna have to be able to convince me of like dealing with the bullshit every fucking day in gotham having to be on the run and i think that like when you think about villains they have to be charismatic they have to also though be and like you said like the the focus is not the woman right but if they want somebody they have to know what that person wants mm-hmm. we have to specifically tell them i know that you want money i know that you want this thing and i can give that to you and that's why you should come and be with me mm-hmm. uh heroes got like I'm the son of like some freaking Valhalla god. Like yeah. that's that's what they got. A villain actually has to know what you want and actually be able to adjust to get you to come and be with them. Yeah. Which
0: is exactly why the women were whiling out way more over Loki than over Thor. I-
1: yeah. Absolutely. It's that it's like there's something about villains like. And, it, and, it, and it's like, and when I say this, I mean it kind of more in the abstract, like kind of everything we've been talking about, but like a villain knows themselves. Mm. Like there's something about a character, like you guys are completely right. There's something about a character that knows themselves about like, and that's like, and let's look at it strictly through like that heterosexual kind of lens, you know, men and women. Okay. You know, but it, it you know, it really is that like, there's something about a man. That knows himself, that knows what he wants, that know like that is emotionally intelligent enough to understand, you know, this what what happened to me was wrong, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to emotionally, you know, that's part of it, emotionally rectify this to make it right for me. And it's like, and of course that's selfish, and of course that's narcissistic or whatever. They're the bad guy, like absolutely. But there is something about like some guy strolling through a door being like i know who i am i know what i want da-da-da-da. like that is so appeal like i could kiki i completely understand the bane appeal i so get it <laughs> yeah. i'm just like
3: yes someone's talking about bane give bane some love absolutely <laughs> because it's also nice it's also nice because it's like oh thank goodness i don't have to do that emotional like work for you or try to do that emotional work for yeah. you Let's unpack yeah, this together. <laughs> yeah. And he's gonna kill them. Do you now I don't need to be told that I'm gonna die, but like can you if you have that communication skill down, you can also communicate that you need somebody to do something for you. <laughs>
1: exactly. Okay. Like, like, <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm gonna have to re-listen to this again and like take some notes. Uh, back to Star Wars. Do
4: you feel when, like I've uh,
0: emotionally matured by not making a, a back breaking joke for Bane? <laughs>
4: Um, to get back to lightsabers, I um, I had I had another, I had another um, example that I've used before of feminine gaze in uh, in specifically in the Last Jedi. Um, so, and it's a parallel with um, with scenes from Attack of the Clones and The Empire Strikes Back. I actually did a video about this. So, the mirror cave scene. In The Last Jedi. Uh, (laughs) I won't shut up about it. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) So Rey goes into the mirror cave because she wants an answer about who she is and where she belongs. And she looks into a mirror. She gazes into a mirror. And she sees herself. And that... She sees who she is. Um... And it parallels with um, the masculine gaze scenes in Attack of the Clones and in Empire Strikes Back. So in Anakin and Luke's scene, they both have lightsabers in their hands and they're both facing their deepest, darkest fear by trying to fight it with a lightsaber. Um, Rey is facing her deepest, darkest fear empty-handed And seeing it through a feminine perspective, feminine, um, and it's like, it's an introspection and um, a reflect, like literally a reflection, but like a reflective process rather than like an outward combative um, expression. Um,
0: Yeah, and and Yoda even tells Luke. Your lightsaber, you will not need it. And he's like, "Screw
1: you, man!" He takes it anyway. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you to talk about that scene, Rhonda. I'm so glad. (laughs) Like talk about the cave, Rhonda. (laughs)
4: Uh,
0: JJ also mentions the cave.
4: Yes, all the caves on Octo look like lady parts. It's Mm -hmm. not. It's not a coincidence.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? What's Okay, is, is there a significance that you guys find with the um, with the Thaline siren? I can't remember the name of the species, but the thing that Luke drinks the milk from because Ryan Johnson was very, very adamant that that, that had to be in the film. And they spent a lot of time and effort and money creating this big giant thing. And airlifting it like helicopter dropping it on here just for one scene of him drinking the milk. Does that have additional significance to you guys? I was hmm. no. All right, that's cool. If it if it doesn't, <laughs> I, I just I was just I was just thinking like okay, he's he's drinking milk and like I don't know I don't know if it's uh... to, to me
2: that I mean, I've heard I've heard I, I didn't view it this way, but. I have heard some people saying that Luke did it deliberately to make Ray um, insecure, showing uh, a feminine using feminine enamity for his own survival. <laughs> like, and she looks away as he uh, milks that cow. I mean, basically, it's a sea cow. That's that's what it is. And she's embarrassed so she looks away. So he's <laughs> using it in a way to make her uncomfortable to me, I see it more of, of Luke just showing how he survives on the Island, um, going Mm -hmm. forth fishing. I see that more of a utilization of the resources on the Island that, uh, that he's fishing and he's milking just like a farmer would do. And yes, he depends upon
4: a female animal to help him do that well, and everything everything about octo is also very feminine um, yeah like all of the caretakers are female everything is like green and soft and maybe not soft maybe that's not the right word but like it's very unlike like, sand lush and yes lush yeah that's a good that's a better word um but yeah. it's like the source of life like it's you know, like the source of the Jedi. Right. Um, and it's, you know, there's all these plants and, and the natural world. Um, and yeah, I think that like it, that's, it's very intentionally where Ray is when, as she's kind of awakening to her femininity. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, she goes from this hard, masculine, dry, you know, place, to this feminine landscape to discover her femininity, discover her feminine self, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. there's the
2: the tree, the library, that does look like a, a vagina. I mean, that's, <laughs> that was what we called it. We called it the Yeti tree was the, the vagina tree, and she finds the library. It's her self-discovery. She is learning. Because that's the last eye. That's the last Jedi. Last Jedi is... Sexual awakening. She's finding herself, but she's also waking and awakening to a love story, to herself as a female, and mm-hmm. so you you have that imagery there as well. I recently saw Attack of the Clones oh. and Revenge of the Sith as well. Attack of the Clones. There is so many vaginas in attack of the Clones, <laughs> where in revenge of the sith there's very there's a lot of uh phallic symbolism in revenge of the sith like we're talking about the kiss when uh padme and anakin kiss, going into the coliseum the coliseum has mm-hmm. a, a a hole that looks like a vagina um but then if you look at uh, yeah just just watch it with that with that uh, in mind, and
4: Freud will give you a whole new meaning to that. Padme
0: goggles.
1: And- yes.
4: When Padme jumps down from the column and lands on the back of the, and she, and it's like a uh, Shayla Wren has a whole video where she calculates like how how much force is being put on Padme's. Uh, yes, <laughs> when she lands. <laughs>
1: It's, it's, and you know, and, and just the concept of their force connections, Kylo and Rey's force connections in general is inherently, is inherently feminine because Ryan talked a lot about how he needed these characters to talk to each other without being able to attack each other because mm. it was like, they're going to see each other. They're going to attack each other. So he came up with this concept of like these, like sort of like these force bonds where like you want to talk about, you know not being able to touch one another. You want to talk about like having to see each other, having to speak to each other. Like no violence can happen. It literally cannot. They try, you know, well, Ray tries tries (laughs) shooting him and he's like, oh, what do you think the physics of this are? And she's like, die. And, and, uh, but like violence literally cannot happen. Mm-hmm. And that is very feminine. And there's just the, ex- I mean, my God, like someone else has to talk about the water on the glove. I, the moisture on uh, the glove. Yes. Oh my
4: gosh. The yeah. water.
1: I, <laughs> I,
3: I had missed something big. Oh God!
4: I'm like with the Wait. first time when Ray connects with the force and the like huge geyser of water spurts out of the lady hole, you know? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Brandon, have you never heard the,
1: the moisture on the glove? Thing he's
3: in there and he does this. He's like, Kiki, do you want to take it away? <laughs> the way this man—he's checking out to see if there's moisture on the gloves, and he's just doing this. And then you're sitting there. I'm like, interesting choice, Ryan. Interesting choices we're <laughs> making with our filming today.
0: Okay, uh, mm-hmm. but but like at the, at the same time, I mean, it, it's been long established that the force is the energy field of life, and what more is there than like? It, 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 I don't know. I just there's uh, that awakening is what brings forth new life, and that's part of what yes. what he explains when he's explaining the force to her, like death and destruction, and then like like sadness and happiness, and death that leads to more life, and then of course in the following film she gains that healing ability to the ability mm. to impart life. I don't know. I just. I just like things, things are just like moving in my head, and I'm just like,
3: Well, something
2: else. God, I'm dumb.
3: (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. This is about important about these conversations between Kylo and between Ray. Is one thing that I'd point out is that this is happening in a setting where there are not a lot of social constructs on this conversation. Think about, for example, Padme and Anakin. She had to constantly think about her status as a senator. She had to think about multiple social implications for being in a relationship. Ray has none of that on this little island in the middle of nowhere. Nobody, like, really the only stressors on this at this point are Luke being like, stop doing that. <laughs> and, um. but there are no social constraints on Ray. The second thing is that she controls the conversations, Ray asking questions. It is Ray making demands of Kylo and saying, "No, no, no. I have questions. You will be answering them to me." He gives explanations, but Ray is the one who controls most of the dialogue when they talk. And I think that's also something very interesting about their conversations. Like, you "No, know, well, why does this appeal to the female gaze?" Ray's is yeah. in complete control of these interactions. Mm. And I think, from my memory. You know, she's also in control when they end to an
0: extent. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I've, uh, that brings, okay. So in 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 um, The Force Awakens, right, they, we have their, their first meeting and mm-hmm. she just tries to, to shoot him, right? And he's in full control and he stops her and he knocks her unconscious and, you know, he doesn't go Bill Cosby okay, so to the like, underworld. You know, yeah. But, um, anyways, he picks her up. He picks her the- but, but he, it's not like like if it was like Han that he did that, he wouldn't pick up Han. He would grab no. him by the ankle and drag him. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, he, I have he a picks, stormtroopers carry him. Yeah, like, that's an option. Bridal carry, but he, but he, the bridal okay, carry exactly. Yeah. So he, he bridal carries her, and then once they get in, so like in and in that first interaction, she has zero agency. She mm-hmm. tries but fails, and he has all the agency, and then he takes her, and then like she's locked up. But he's like, you will give me the information. And that's when she first starts to gain her own agency. Mm. Am I onto a thing
3: here? (laughs) There's definitely something about that. I mean.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. It is the Force Awakens. It's the Force Awakening in them both. And that's when they basically wake up the dyad so to speak Kasdan who helped Abrams write the script said there is something that very imp- is a very important thing happening between Ray and Kylo at this when they recognize a force that is similar to each other like they're both awakened to that there's the same energy in each other and he, he talks about it. so I'm sorry, Raylo was planned. Raylo was planned right at that beginning.
3: Well,
2: and yeah. you see you see her, you know, she's in she's in the she's in the uh, locks, but she's the one that gains upper hand. He tries to steal information from her, she goes right into her his mind and and still steals, steals his training. Stills is not the right word, <laughs> but <laughs> it is about it is about a uh, an energy between them, about force awakening between them. And that is her, the sexual awakening did not start in The Last Jedi. The sexual awakening started as soon as she heard the call to the saber, which is the call to... The man. (laughs) Mm. And then, well, we were talking about the lightsaber being a phallic symbol, but it's also a symbol of paternity. And and that is something that has happened since medieval lit. It's about the male line, it's Mm. about whoever holds the swords gets the sovereignty, gets to rule the nations, gets to bear the the, uh, not the bastards, but the proper children, you know, things of that nature. So she was taking basically the legacy of the males in the family by taking, by taking that sword. Mm. And she was, you know, it, it, even unarmed, even without that like, that, she was, she had full power over him. So when anyone tells me that uh, the interrogation scene is so bad and Kylo treats her so badly. I'm like, what thing did you
1: want? <laughs> it's, it's also one thing I really like is that despite kind of like the jokes we make about Kylo being like, you know, this emotional wreck, and it, which he is, of course. But like, you know, like how we were talking about earlier with villains and how there's like kind of that kind of emotional yeah. intelligence to them. One of the things that I love about those force connections between the two of them in The Last Jedi is that. You guys are correct, for sure. Like, she's controlling the conversation, but Kylo does challenge her back. He forces her to confront her emotions and to confront sort of the, the, the feelings that she's getting from the questions she's asking. Like, when she's like, yeah. you know, why did you hate your father? And he goes, I didn't. And she goes, then why did you? And he goes, do what? Say it. Say it. Like, he he makes her confront that emotion. He challenges her. So she's controlling the conversation, but he's challenging her right back. So there is that mutual kind of push and pull between the two of them because like the feminine gaze isn't so much so about, it's not really about, at least in my opinion, isn't about one party, whether it be female, male, or what have you. It's not about one party dominating the other. It's about that mutual kind of push and pull and play and respect and and control and control between two people kind of rising together to meet a challenge. And I really love that he, he's like, okay, ask your questions, but I'm going to make you face your own shit too. Like it's uh-huh. it's really, really good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, the force, wow. the force. Have... <laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Your turn. Uh-huh. I interrupted you. Um,
0: well, I, I just, I just wanted to say, and, and I, and I, um, I do apologize because we are running long, but I'm super fascinated. <laughs> um, and like, I'm just like putting all these pieces together of like, uh, did, did I miss all of this stuff? Did I miss um, all of
2: Star
3: Wars? <laughs> right.
0: uh, yeah. Uh, but um, uh, so, so, I will say we will need to head towards it in an exit fairly soon, <laughs> um, but go ahead and continue with, with what you're going to say. And then after that, I'll, I'll make sure to get everyone's you know final thoughts and, and where we can find and all that good stuff. Um, anyways.
2: Oh, I, I, I was okay. I, I don't even remember where I was going. I'm apologize. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: um, uh, but uh, just, just, just real quick though, like all this stuff started c- connecting of like uh, her growing up and still considering, you know, because she lost her parents, didn't have that guidance with growing up and the transition into becoming uh, an adult and becoming a woman, and so she never got that that portion of the guidance, and so she all of a sudden gets a father figure. But at the same time has the call to the lightsaber um, and then and then meets this, you know, this boy. And there's like all this interplay between trying to be a kid with your parents and live as in a family versus having to grow up and accept that portion but I, i've never gone through puberty as a woman so there's a lot of stuff i don't understand that i feel like like i'm somewhat close to but i i don't know, I'll, I'll 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 have to ask some but questions there's, but later. there's
1: femininity in you too brandon like yes. there's femininity and masculinity mm-hmm. in everyone you know so you having an experience that you connect through to sort of like the feminine part of yourself like makes total sense yeah
0: absolutely
2: the the part of the reason film gaze is so mysterious is there's not an, enough of it. Like most of media is made for the male gaze through the male gaze, and so, like I, I think everyone understands it, they're just not used to it. So it's a foreign. It's almost like a foreign language. It's I used to be an English teacher too, and Shakespeare was one of my favorite classes to to teach. Um, I taught about six of his plays and what i would tell the kids is it, when you read this and the more you read it the more natural it will be to read you're just not used to the way he, uh, the, the renaissance spoke things <laughs> with rhythm and and the these and the thou's and the king james english but it's a rhythm that's the same thing with film gaze the more you read the more you watch the more you listen the more Fem gaze will be a second way of looking at the world around you. You just need to awaken to it. <laughs> I,
0: I would actually take it a step farther and say that it's downright demonized um, in in yeah. our society of any sort of, yeah. of connection. And there's certain things like, uh, I don't know, for for instance, uh, physical touch, which is always viewed through like a sexual lens, but it's not yeah. at all like a dog enjoys being pet. People enjoy, need to have contact, but it's always viewed forcibly viewed through a certain lens and then demonized. So you're kind of like putting it off and I'm um, sorry, I'm just having a whole bunch of stuff rush through my head at, at this moment. And so I'm not collecting it super well, but I, I don't know. I think there's, um, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to need some, some reading. I'm going to have some reading to do uh, I, in my near future.
3: Go ahead. I always tell people if you truly want to educate yourself on the feminine gaze, there's a couple of things that I always recommend. The first of which is pick up a romance novel that was written by a woman. Start reading romance novels written by women. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big historical lover. I love mm-hmm. historical romance novels. Um, but these are men that are ri- literally written by women. They are written for the entire purpose of a female audience to connect with and like. And looking at that and then take and compare those male heroes in these novels to something like, I don't know, Die Hard. How are these men different? And ask yourself that question. What is different about these men compared to, like, Die Hard? Um, Another thing that I recommend is watch not... What somebody once said, I was reading a bunch of stuff before this. Not everything made by women is going to be in the feminine gaze. Not every story about a woman was was within the female gaze. But one show that I really love to tell people to watch if you're looking for the female gaze is called The Midwife.
2: Mm, Yes.
3: It is directed by a woman. The entire story is around the experiences of women in labor, childbirth, and motherhood. And look at how the men in Call the Midwife are written. And you will see how they are completely different than how men in other mediums are written. And what do the men do in Call the Midwife? What do they talk about the women with? Extremely important things.
4: Okay. I would also recommend um, for like a really good basic foundation on sort of one view of the female gaze, Jill Soloway. um, did a talk at the Toronto international film festival in 2016 and you can watch that on YouTube. I think it's like less than an hour long. um, And she like, she like gives like kind of the background of like the male gaze and then just kind of discusses how she views the female gaze. She's a filmmaker. And so she discusses how she, um, like how she views the female gaze and how, um, other narratives and other stories and, and media can sort of take on a more female gaze.
1: Yes. And like, in like Kiki said, like not everything made by women is the female gaze. Like that's a very important thing to remember. And I definitely think, and this is a very, and this is people have different opinions on this. I respect people's opinions, but I, I definitely think that just like female directors can, um, just like female directors can tap into the male gaze, the my the best example I can think of, the straightforward example is Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman, uh, Chris Pine's nude bath scene. That that's the male gaze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is not the female gaze. That is the male gaze. It is engaging. It is sexual. And I, and I'm and again not bad. It's not a bad thing. Um, it's the sexualization, sort of the objectification. He's kind of at the mercy of Diana Prince, who is viewing him in a curious and objectifying um, sexual way. That's the male gaze. Um, but I, but just like women can tap into the male gaze, men can certainly tap into the female gaze. I mean, we just talked about The Last Jedi for the past hour. That is directed by Ryan Johnson. That is directed by a man. Joe Wright has made his entire career <laughs> yeah. around sort of presenting sort of a very feminine sort of perspective of the female gaze. I also think that even though this is kind of maybe not the female gaze and how we perceive it in a direct way. This is more abstract. Spike Lee, Spike Lee, Spike Lee, Spike Lee under, like the way that he treats his female characters, the way that he prioritizes their emotions. It is incredible. It is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sh- Chirac is a wonderful film. I my like it. There's so many examples. Spike Lee gives, gives, black women, the respect and the time and the attention and the thoughtfulness that, that is so sorely lacking for them in film in general. So Spike Lee is another really good example of real care and, and time and energy and attention put into his female characters. You know, there's many examples like this, like it's, so I definitely think that male directors, the best male directors uh, can certainly tap into the female gaze. And so when yes. people kind of say like, you know, oh, but it's directed by a man, it's like, well, okay, let's look at the film. Like, let's examine the film. Um, and, you know, or, oh, well, it's a direct, it's directed by a woman. It's like, well, okay, let's look at the film, you know, and of course, that you know, going back to how strictly binary that is, you know, but it's a good jumping off point to kind of there's so many ways that you can experience and sort of start, you know, your journey of understanding. But I think mm-hmm. that you guys hit the nail on the head with starting with romance novels written by women, starting with, you know, like sort of, you know, like poles of feminine of like feminine gays. So, so few that we have, but the ones that are there and then sort of branching off and kind of making your own journey and sort of developing your own perspective on this theory, because everybody has different thoughts on it, you know. Okay,
0: that, that's awesome. But thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. This has been amazing and um, enlightening. And like, I, I don't know, I've I've taken away a lot more than you guys probably have. So thank you for letting <laughs> me do that. Um, uh, let's let's go around uh, the room real quick, and we'll have if you guys have any final thoughts. Um, but then also just let us know where we can find you and your amazing content, everyone. Mm. Um, and I will go to. Um, M first i'm risk.
2: yes we are predominantly a youtube channel you can find us at girls with sabers on youtube we're also on twitter facebook tumblr instagram at girls with sabers so come along and and um listen to us <laughs> sorry i'm not very articulate right now either so it's been what it's taken a while for me to find my English again but yes we would love to have you over at our
0: channel (laughs) well I mean you had a whole live stream before this and so I run out of uh, speak uh, as well (laughs) as as soon as I log off here I crumble and I turn into a little puddle for a little bit I
2: came in with a puddle so I apologize I know there were times in this live stream that I was not very articulate and I didn't get to the point so just thank you for your patience, and thank you for discussing some very sensitive issues with me. I really appreciate everyone's patience and uh, ability to just go there for a <laughs> little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I love it. Thank you for coming on. I will definitely have you on again as well as um, the other half. And, yeah, I love love the collaborations. Um, but, yeah, uh, how about you, uh, Maseki?
1: oh yes um so you can find me on tiktok at miss eggy i'm on twitter at miss eggy 28 um i will say i do think it's kind of crazy how we did this whole podcast we didn't even talk about the hand touch guys like oh <laughs> we've <didn't laughs> passed by us hey um, nuts
0: go go yeah, hand know, touch
1: yeah right i mean yeah the, i mean well you know what's there to say we talked about hands we talked about intimacy we talked about you know you know he takes the glove off he's being vulnerable there you go it's pretty self explanatory. Um, very intimate. My God, that zoom. I love like how Ryan does the camera this. You see their finger. Oh. This is the hottest shit I've ever seen. Oh my God. Um, uh, also, pour one out for my husband who is in our living room and heard me scream phallus 50 times. So I'm going to have to explain some stuff to him when we finish live stream. Um but uh, this was an absolute pleasure, Brandon. Thanks for hosting this topic and having us all come on here, ladies. You are all legends. You are all just incredible, and I am so happy to have finally gotten to talk to all of you guys and and really uh, d- dig you know deep on this topic. So it was great. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Thank you uh, mm. always, uh,
3: Kiki. Oh. Um. So you can find me at Black W Lady on TikTok or Cascadian Lady on TikTok. I would back up because TikTok's been acting up. Um, the only like last thing I would say is that if you're thinking about the female gaze, I think you can also look to characters that maybe they themselves are not being filmed within the female gaze, but they appeal to it because that mm-hmm. exists. And I know I've talked it to death tonight, but Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. I'm <laughs> very clear here. Um, so like on one of my accounts, I was making, a, I was just like, Let me, I've like, I started to notice a lot of black women in my comment sections. And then a lot of black people, whenever I'd make a post about Bane, they'd be like, I feel some kind of way about him. And so I finally made a post and I was like, black people who are attracted to men, how are we feeling about Bane? Are we like inviting him over? Like, is he coming to the cookout kind of joke? And the amount of Black people who were attracted to men who were in my comment section acting up was <laughs> killing me. It was like the funniest comment section that I've had in years, or not years, but forever. And I think it's also important, you know, just making spaces for people from diverse communities to have this mm-hmm. Because, you know, we talked about appealing to the, we talked a little bit about bell hooks. And sometimes when we have these conversations, I always think, well, has anyone asked, like, black women, trans women, indigenous mm. women? Because because your culture might also shift how you're attracted to people as well. Your background mm-hmm. might shift it, your cultural context of where you raised. So we've been talking today about the female gays, but I think it's important to mention we've been talking about the American female gays the Western American female, yeah. gaze, which might not be the case from someone who might come from say India or someone mm-hmm. who comes from sub-Saharan Africa. So just being very aware of that and making sure that you're listening to other communities when they talk about what do they think the female gaze is.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Interesting,
0: I yeah, now, now I have more stuff to ask us. I mean, I appreciate the whole thing is, is a learning uh, process and I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that journey. Yeah. Um, and we're all
1: still learning. Like everybody yeah. here is like still <laughs> yes. learning every day. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. We're all on the same road. Y'all mm-hmm. are just up there. <laughs> uh and, and I feel like uh when Ant Man was like a little child just like ran under, <laughs> like little tiny. So <laughs> I felt. Anyways, uh Rhonda, how about you?
4: Um yes, you can find me on TikTok at Rhonda Talks T O K S about books, and um, I am also on Twitter and Instagram, but don't do a whole lot on there. Um, that's fine. Um, and then my podcast is Pop DNA, and we are currently discussing A Wrinkle in Time. So any fans, um, go check that out. Um, final thoughts: uh, I, if I could just echo everything that everyone else said for their final thoughts because like those were all like things that I was thinking too (laughs) um and um also I hate to bring this up at the end but I think it's also worth looking into the heroine's journey um Mm -hmm. because that's going to be very entwined with the feminine gaze as well I know we did kind of talk about heroine's journey a little bit but um I think there's a lot more to explore there for anyone who is interested.
0: So. There's definitely more to explore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that, but, but that needs to be its own episode. So hmm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll get there though. We're <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah. W- once again, thank you uh, everyone. Thank everyone in the chat. Um, we have uh, St. Pat here, uh, JJ, cat lady. Hopefully we can get you uh, on here on the high ground or on Dyad I'm sorry you had to travel Dan. Um, the man in the chat Forward into the black um, Chatting uh, Element 7 We have Corelli at Coffee Works And Brooke um, Man, uh, Brian with a beard Is always <laughs> awesome we um, are some of the best group of people Hanging out and just talking this stuff I know we went long I apologize but thank you, everyone that stuck with us uh, and anyone who's listening to this in the future. Um, yeah, I appreciate, love you all. You all very welcome to come back here. Um, but for now, that'll wrap it up. Um, have a wonderful evening, and may the Force be